0: I don't really use social media at all. I'm certainly not a social media expert, uh-huh. but I do focus on email because it just works so well. And even nowadays where people say their open rates are, are dropping down to nothing, you know, mine are still in the 70s and 80s, sometimes in the nineties, on the low end.
1: That's insane. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: James Shramko here from superfastbusiness.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Hoy on productiveinsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the Internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy.
1: I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started today. If you don't currently get my free email newsletter, you should go to ProductiveInsights.com and sign up for the newsletter right now you'll receive valuable tips that will help you to build your authority and create an awesome brand. You'll also receive regular podcast updates delivered right to your inbox so you'll never miss another podcast episode. I just wanted to share a wonderful review I received from Tyrone S. He says, "Ash curates the best business experts on this podcast and there's lots of gems to pick up. Thanks for putting together a great podcast, especially the most recent episode with John McGrath." Well, thank you very much Tyrone. I appreciate your kind and encouraging words. If you too would like to get a shout out on this podcast, please do head over to iTunes on the iTunes store, look for Productive Insights, and that should bring up the podcast. Click on ratings and reviews and leave a review there. And I'll do my best to give you a shout out on one of the future podcast episodes. Today, I have a very special guest who's the creator of the Autoresponder Madness course. He's an epic email artist. That's the word I like to use to describe him. Here's to email marketing. On with the show. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, an internet marketer, a writer, a creator, a teacher, and a student. He got fired on October 22nd, 2003 and has never had a boss since. He's a British citizen, but a native of Durban, South Africa, who now lives on the rock of Gibraltar. He's dyslexic. He's a visionary who's fascinated by fonts and loves minimalist design. He's constantly been striving to simplify, but... He's been told he has an Amazon book ordering fetish. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Andre Chaperon from AndreChaperon.com. Welcome, Andre. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Now, Andre, you are also the creator of the autoresponder course, autoresponder madness course, I should say, which is when I first came in contact with you. And there's some great information in there, so I look forward to digging into that a little bit and the methodologies you talk about in that course in this conversation. Let's start off by talking about this idea that is out there in the online world these days, which is email marketing is dying. Just prior to this formal conversation, you know, we're having a bit of a chat and you were talking about some spectacular open rates and click-through rates that you have. So clearly it is not dying for everybody. So let's kick the conversation off there. Would you like to talk a little bit about your experience of open rates and click-through rates and how to solve the problem of dropping open rates and click-through rates?
0: You know, I think like like everything, technologies and platforms and stuff evolve over time, right? Yeah. I was just reading an article, it was either this week or last week, where I think the, the premise of the article is that social media is dying, right? Mm-hmm. But it's... It's, it's not dying in the sense that it's it's dying obviously there's there's Facebook is bigger than ever but the way that people use it is evolving to the point that certain things aren't working like they used to be uh-huh. so now they're saying that social media is evolving to a place where you engage now more than just sticking pieces of content to try and you know suck people out of the out of the system so uh-huh. I think I've, I'm guessing email has has evolved over time I've been using it Pretty much full time since lost my job back in two thousand and three. I'm a one thing I haven't mentioned. I don't mention is I'm a shy introvert, <laughs> so that was one of the reasons uh, I guess why email just works so well for me because I don't do video and I, I rarely do these podcasts because it scares me and <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't do uh, on stage stuff. So when I started with with email back in two thousand and three, it it was just awesome because. I got to write an email and click send and it went out to an audience and there was a feedback loop there so i just got better at it because it seemed it seemed like a far more comfortable thing for me to use and leverage right so yeah so along the way i'm a sort of person that likes to do things differently so if everybody's saying one thing i'll typically do the other thing right and that's one of the reasons why i guess i was fortunate enough to figure out a few things that other people didn't so yeah um for me Relevance is that one thing that that makes email work better than anything else, and that hasn't changed. So you know, when your emails are relevant, people read them and they look forward to them. And when you send them out, they're gonna con- they're gonna get consumed. Everybody's got a mobile phone now, mm-hmm. and if they aren't in front of their mobile phone, they're in, they're in front of their, their desktop computer or or an iPad or something, right? And email is the one app that they, everyone's definitely got. Sure, there's the millennials that use. The social media stuff more than email, but then at least for people, people like us, they aren't necessarily our audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's email. It's still open more than anything else. It's still the more engagement than anything else. And certainly in terms of ROI, it outstrips all social media by a massive factor. There's so many stats you can go to online uh, where, where they track the stuff. I don't track it. I just use it. I don't really use social media at all, I'm certainly not a social media expert, mm-hmm. but I do focus on email because it just works so well. And even nowadays where people say the open rates are, are dropping down to nothing, you know, mine are still in the 70s and 80s, sometimes in the 90s on the low end.
1: That's insane. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Yeah. it's And it's because I segment a lot and therefore those emails that I send out to those the pockets of people on those segments are very relevant to them. Mm-hmm so there's a process in how I do that which is one of the things we can we can chat about if you want.
1: Absolutely, and I would love to do that a little bit later. So by the way for the listeners that was just an open loop I dropped there and we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about open loops a little bit more further down the track and all will be revealed. Tell me Andre what do you think about A Facebook Messenger as an alternative? Because I do know often, you know, I reach out to influencers and it might not be so easy to get them via email, but then I might send them a message on Facebook Messenger and say, hey, I'll get a very positive and quite an effusive response in some cases. So do you think that email is just getting too crowded? And while I completely agree with you that relevant emails trump all the other media at the moment, do you see that changing in the future?
0: I don't know, you know, I can't see into the future, but email has been around s- since longer than the internet, I think, um, oh. you know, it's certainly the the public internet version of email existed from back then, and it's still here now, and people have tried to evolve on an email and create different versions of email, but, you know, email is still there. Oh. I think Messenger is great, and it's great on those one-on-one, you know, so if you want to connect with an influencer, and they happen to be somebody that. Gets Facebook notifications on their phone. Well, then obviously, Messenger's going to be great for that because then they get the little notification on their phone, and they probably don't have notifications for emails. Otherwise, their their phone will be pinging and pinging. Yes. Every. Ten ten seconds, right? So in that respect, I think Messenger is great, but you need to understand the context, right? So okay. that's that's a one-on-one sort of communication just to get someone's attention. And if you know, you can send a send a single email to to a friend of yours, and they they're probably going to open it, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, of one too many so when you're broadcasting out to a huge population of people, mm. well, you obviously can't do that on Messenger, right? You
1: just made a great point. And by the way, I have noticed Russell Brunson has been doing it lately. So I believe Facebook is working on something like that. I may be wrong. But you just made a really important point, which I just want to bring out. To the listeners, or bring out for the listeners, and that is messenger and these tools might be good for initial engagement or attention grabbing, but to have a conversation and a meaningful conversation on an ongoing basis, email is the only way to do it at the moment.
0: Yes, and what, you know, one thing's for certain: pretty much every single person on the planet has an email account mm-hmm. of some sort, so uh, you know, they you can reach pretty much anybody through email.
1: Okay. Cool. Okay. So let's, now that we've sort of set the scene a little bit about the whole email marketing and we've talked about how the email rates dropping or some people being concerned about that, how to address that, let's dive a little bit deeper into the relevance side of things, which we were talking about earlier. So one of your many talents, Andre, is to be able to write engaging autoresponder sequences. And your specialty is to be able to build up high levels of engagement and sales using very small email lists. Now, you have a specific way in which you build this engagement and you touch on that in the form of soap opera sequences and open loops and so on. Could you just give us a high level overview on how you approach email marketing and how you use it to deliver outstanding results?
0: So one of the things when I started doing all this stuff and I was figuring things out, one of the things I didn't like to do, um, and that's never changed, is to do something once and then to have then to have to do it again and then have to do it again for it to work. Mm-hmm. Right. I prefer to do something once and then I could leverage that one piece of content over time and reuse it. Yep. And then the other problem I found with with email is, for the most part, you would opt into somebody's email list and you you essentially got like random you know emails from whoever you know depending on what's top of mind or if there was a promotion going on, those were the emails you're going to get. There wasn't any consistency in the narrative. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how I was thinking early on. So for me, I started to write uh, follow-up sequences, which are, you know, some, some ESPs call them autoresponders. Others call them follow-up sequences. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially a series of emails all strung together with a delay in between. Mm-hmm. So I, I just figured out that it's better if I enjoyed writing a narrative that spanned many emails. So there was a connection between emails and there was a story essentially a story that was playing out across a period of time. Yes. And then within the context of that story, I got to connect with people on a deeper level because people love reading stories, yes. right? And I'm, I'm not writing a story story, right? I'm just uh, within what I'm saying about marketing and, and whatever, there's there's a narrative playing out. Yes. And they're all linked together and it's all thematically relevant. And as that's playing out and people are uh, clicking on certain links, It tells me that certain people are more interested in certain things and other people are more interested in other things. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing with this is i got to be relevant to everybody because everybody was self-selecting what was the most relevant to them. Yes. So back when I was a kid, I used to read these choose your own adventure books. And maybe that's, at the back of my mind, oh, something stuck because I, I used to really enjoy reading those books and when you got to that point where it's, you know, uh, turn to page 45 if you want to do this or go to page 13 if you want to do that and sometimes you died, and sometimes you you live right. to the next decision point, right? Yeah. So that's how my, my emails evolved, although there's no death. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's just, you know, if, if you're interested in organic traffic or if you're interested in paid traffic, you know, click here or click here. So hmm. certain people are going to be, they're going to self-select and then you using automation, with us, which is what we blessed with with mm. all our email programs nowadays. Yes. If they click a certain link, it can trigger more sequences. Yes. So then you can send them more stuff that matters to them. But I've already programmed it into the system. I don't have to rewrite those emails. They're, they're all pre-written already. Yes. So, yeah, that's the premise of how the whole thing worked. But it's all based on relevancy. And
1: yeah, I love the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I love the way in which today's email marketing technology allows you to automatically tag someone when they click on a certain link within your email. Say you have three links, three different links within one email and they click on link number one, say is related to productivity and link number two might be related mindset and link number three might be related to email marketing. And depending on what they click, you can actually set off an autoresponder sequence or what you call sometimes follow-up sequence. Some people call them nurture sequences, but you can set them off on a different track, almost like a choose your adventure thing. Now, I know that you recently switched email providers and I'm going to drop another open loop here before I go on to explain what we mean by (laughs) open loops. And I would love to hear more about that and your reason for switching because... I currently am using active campaign and I really like the fact that it can do that. And I would love to know why you switched. But coming back to open loops, an open loop is when you create like a question in someone's mind or an incomplete thought, which you suggest in your conversation that you will come back to later on in that conversation, thereby creating uh, a certain amount of intrigue and tension in the listener's or reader's mind. And that kind of engages them. There's a great book called "Mate to Stick by Dan and Chip Heath that uh, touches on this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the most basic level, an open loop is just um, a story or thought or idea that hasn't been finished. So you start something but don't finish it. We have this thing called, um, called the fear of missing out. Yes. And I think that, that's one of the reasons why when you start a story and you don't finish it, there's that intrigue, right? It's like, yes. oh, what's going to happen next?
1: Yes, and it's hardwired into us. And I was talking to Valerie Koo in an earlier episode. We were talking about the power of stories and so on. And I think that is how we survived as a species, isn't it, Andre? Like, I mean, we passed on very important information from one generation to the next about where the watering hole was or how to protect yourself as a tribe through the power of story because writing is a very recent development in our evolution.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I've just... I don't know if, if it was conscious or if it was a mistake, but um, yeah, I just figured out that using open loops works really well. So um, that's another technique I use to create engagement um, and it drives people nuts because they, they always want to want to know what's going to happen next. And then you'll have that in the following email or the email further down the line.
1: Right, exactly. So now that you've, you've dropped an open loop in, say, email one out of your, say, 10 email autoresponder sequence, and you say all will be revealed or I will explain this in further detail in the next email. Watch out for it coming to your inbox in whatever X number of days. And now they're waiting for that email because they want to know. But in that email, you've dropped another open loop which you'll be talking about in the following email and so on, yeah?
0: Yeah, or you can be less less overt than that. So instead of explicitly saying I'll tell you what's going to happen um, you kind of just start a story and it just doesn't end. Like the email just comes to a close and it's like, okay, um, I'll see you next time or I'll see you tomorrow or mm-hmm. I'll continue this later in the week. So there's no, you know, it's just like, it's just left them hanging. So that works even better.
1: Right. It's a lot more subtle. Okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And there's another really cool thing you do. Actually, two other cool things you do, I've noticed, because I've been reading your emails for a long time now. And clearly <laughs> I got caught into those open loops. I noticed that you use the PS section of your email very well to have a concurrent story going. And you also sign off with Andre, and then you have a middle name chaperon. So the middle thing you put in between your first name and your last name is kind of related to the theme of that email. What's the logic behind that?
0: i just thought it was cool (laughs) i don't know the ps thing i've just always done that i I don't know why i started it but it got to a point where i would tell i mean i still do is complete different stories in the ps so it's it's just an excuse to tell like a parallel thing you Mm. know you can just something else and then strange thing happened right as people were were scrolling down and reading pss more than you know the main email because right. they knew there was there was something else down there so um, sometimes when when there's nothing to add in the ps I'll just say uh, nothing here this time uh, but thanks for checking anyway
1: <laughs> so you'll say ps nothing here in the ps thanks for checking anyway yeah <laughs> that's hilarious
0: yeah. and then people hit reply and say oh that's that's funny <laughs> so i know they're reading it but yeah it's just it's just it works well, and yeah, I mean the the whole PS thing is is one of the little um, sections inside of my training course because it's it's such an effective place to to tell a story. Um, so yeah, if if nothing else, just just add a PS at at the bottom, and then just add something about your life at the bottom, and um, it works nicely. It just adds that that human factor to, to 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 a marketing email.
1: Another important point: human factor and adding something about your life. A lot of people are reluctant to share details about their life, either because they feel that no one really wants to know about their personal lives and that they just want content that is useful, or they might be concerned about sharing too much with someone they don't know. So could you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: It really depends on the audience and the personality. You know, certain people have a personality where they're very likable, and people want to know. You know, if I think if Brad Pitt or one of the celebrities had an email list, people would be reading everything, and they'll be reading the p.s.s. and they want to know about what he did on the weekend. Right. And then other audiences just don't care really. They they just there for a reason, and they could care care less about what you did on the weekend. So I'm always mindful of that fact. So I'm not big on to you know, sharing my, my life story of what I do on weekends. But when there is a story that I feel is relevant, I'll tell it inside of there, even if it's just like a personal story Mm -hmm. and then people will, will pay attention to that. Um, Some people say, say more things about them personally and others don't. I don't actually share anything on on Facebook. I hardly use Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I just reserve it for email when there's a story worth telling. Um, And typically there'll be a lesson in that. Um, So, if a certain ps story is played out over over three emails there'll be a lesson in that um, you know I, I read a book and then in in the book or this article it said a certain thing and or i met a friend on the weekend and he told me the story and then that'll seed this idea mm-hmm. that i can then Use in 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 the following email. So everything's linked, and there's reason for everything. It's it's not just some some random story that you know. Right. That's that's how I do it. But again, um, if the audience loves stories and it's a celebrity newsletter, then obviously you can go to town. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Now you just touched on a very important word, and that is audience. To me, the audience decides whether you live or die, and. That's how you should run a business, right? It's about creating content that is relevant, entertaining, and engaging for the audience. Because if you can't engage them, then you can't deliver information to them.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, your audience is there because they feel that you can add value in their lives. There's something that, that you have that they don't have, and they want to learn it from you, right? Mm. I mean, there's no other reason why, unless it's um, unless it's some gossip celebrity thing. Mm. People, you know, our audience are there for a reason and it's because they can get something out of us. And so we always need to be mindful of the fact that we need to be delivering value. So within the context of giving out value is I tell stories and I entertain and engage that way. And I'm always every email that I write has to be relevant to to the segment of people that is going to that is going out to oh. and if an email's not super relevant then you know you can look at your open rates and they're not as they're not going to be as high and that's an indicator you can use so yeah um when i look at my open rates i don't focus on open rates and clicks really um i just focus on on writing my emails but when i do look at them it is an indicator of what's Resonated and someone's opened it and read it. Mm -hmm. And then the click is an indicator that what you wrote meant something to them and they click that link. Mm -hmm.
1: Actually, that's something else I want to come back to and talk about as well, which is how to get in the right mindset because that is something I certainly struggle with because I'm always worried about putting off my audience. You know, I cherish them, I suppose, and to the point where it discourages me from writing because I'm worried that I might be boring them or I might not entertain them. And so I keep putting it off. How do you get into the right mindset? To write a good quality email or more importantly, to write consistent emails.
0: I don't write or put out anything if I've got nothing to say. So what happens is I will pre-write a sequence of emails, like we spoke about, which are which are called a soap opera sequence. So yes. which is attached to a certain opt-in form. So for example, if somebody comes to my website and there's a page that talks about email and then there's an opt-in form at the bottom of that, I know that those people are interested in email or you know, whatever that context is. And then email is just extending that out. So mm-hmm. all those emails are always going to be, you know, you have to write them and and you know what what people are interested in because they've just told you about opting into a certain thing. But later on, like when I send out broadcast emails, the broadcasts are more random, right, that, that they're not part of a narrative. So although people are, are working their way through my through my sequences when I send out a broadcast email that needs to be relevant to them uh-huh. So I always try and I'm very overt with with what's what I'm writing about and what's gonna happen if they click the link
1: uh-huh.
0: Many marketers like to use blind emails because they get more clicks right so they'll so the email will be you know you should click you know a friend of mine launching a product, or he's, I found this really cool thing and it's made me tons of money. You should go click it out. Here's the link. You know, it's it's a blind email with a link just to amp up the curiosity so people click the link. Uh-huh. And then, yes, it looks nice because their stats say that their clicks are really high. Uh-huh. But then nothing happens at the end of that. So I've kind of do the opposite thing and I'll, I'll write an email that sets the stage and it creates context for that click. So uh-huh. I don't ever have an email link that where it's not surrounded by by context. Okay. So when people click that, they know what's going to happen when they go somewhere, right? So if I'm promoting a product, I tell them in that email what's going to happen next. And if they're interested, click the link and I'll tell them more. So now I have mm. people's buy-in from the beginning and it's not a surprise that I'm suddenly promoting something, right?
1: Mm, mm. It's kind of like micro commitments.
0: Yes. And it's about respecting people's, people's time mm. And if I was reading an email, that's what I want to see. I want to know when I click a link, where it's going to go. Hmm. I don't want to be, you know, uh, tricked into clicking a link that goes somewhere that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. yeah. Because then there's resentment. Right? right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that can hurt your brand. I remember watching some video, I think it was on YouTube. Ryan Dice was raving about soap opera sequences and about your autoresponder madness course. So, can you explain to our audience a little bit more about soap opera sequences and how they relate to open loops?
0: Well, open loops is just it's just a tactic that you use within the context of your soap opera sequence. So if you think of a soap opera, I call it that because you know when you're watching your your daily soap operas, whether it's uh, you in Australia, right? Yes. So there isn't um, what's it, the one with the with the Kylie Minogue? Oh, uh, Neighbours. Neighbors, right? Yeah. So neighbors has been going since I was a kid, and right. it's still going now. I think. Anyway, so that's uh, that's the daily soap opera, right? Mm-hmm. And with and if you watch any soap opera, you know there's a story playing out, and there's always an open loop or a, a cliffhanger at the end, which is basically it's basically a story's happened and it hasn't ended. Mm-hmm. So you got to tune in the next day to see what was going to happen to to, to Margaret or or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. So that was the premise around writing multiple emails. And that's why I call them a soap opera sequences. Right. It's essentially that. If you watch Lost or any of those um, serialized um, TV programs, that's a story that's playing out over. Over X episodes, right? We've just watched Homeland season one, one and two in the last two weeks. Um, my wife and I, mm. and each one is 12 episodes, so that's essentially 12 emails, right? Yes. All linked together, and at the end of every episode, guarantees there's there's a cliffhanger, which is a big open loop. So you got to tune in for for the next one, and mm. if you binge watching it, you know, you normally watch the next one straight away, right? Yes.
1: Which, by the way, was the thing, something that came to my mind. It's interesting how Netflix has leveraged that soap opera sequence thing in a different way insofar as I think one of the draw cards for Netflix is binge watching, right? They actually, I think, use that word when they do their marketing. Mm. And. It just relieves a lot of pressure where before you would have to wait for the show to show up, whether it was the next day or the next week or however frequently it showed up on TV. Now you can just binge and overdose on the show and you just keep relieving yourself from these, you know, the, the tension around the soap opera sequence, but then you're into another one, another one, another one.
0: And the cool thing is you can actually do that exact same thing with email. So you can code the email. So instead of saying the next email goes out one day after the previous email, you can have that link that when that link is clicked, Hmm. send the next email. So they, they can click the link to trigger the next email, yep. but then you can also be logic in the background is if they don't click that link, send the next email one day later anyway. Oh, right, right. I see. So, so they can binge a few emails if they wanted to, and then gotcha. it'll then resume the sequence.
1: That's interesting. Now, this would be a great segue to move into tools. So could you talk to us about Your decision to switch from one provider to another and what are the tools of choice as far as you're concerned when it comes to writing in these email sequences what do you use
0: well i started off using aweber Uh, they were they were the only kid in town back in the day and they're still around now they haven't changed much (laughs) that's Um, the problem (laughs) exactly so if anybody's using aweber then you probably have to change yes
1: that was my experience also
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's so difficult to create those triggered sequences using AWeb, although they are slowly making some changes that are making it a bit easier. But um, we moved to ActiveCampaign a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. But the, for me, the, the email editor is terrible. Yes. I hate it.
1: Yes. Maybe
0: it's just the way that I do things. I just can't make it work. Mm. And... For me, it's, it's a constraint and it prevents me from just writing more emails. What
1: stops you from writing an email on a Word document, for example, and then moving it across to that editor?
0: Well, everything. The, the editor just doesn't work well when you, when you try and paste text into it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yes.
0: From a clear text or Google Docs or whatever. And in contrast, Drip, which is the one that we've just moved to, their editor is just so simple. And it baffles the mind why the other guys don't make theirs super simple. And then there's um, ConvertClick, which is also great. And their editor, just like Drip, is super simple. You can paste text inside there and it just retains, you know, it it just looks normal. And there's a a template on the the back end that takes your plain text email and makes it HTML. It just works easier. Um, But, uh, you know, there's thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that use and love Active campaign and I do still really like Active campaign. I'm, I'm not knocking it it's just sure. for me I don't like the way that the email editor is and because that's such a major component of taking an email and putting it into a system mm-hmm. that's a constraint for me so sure. that's that's why we're moving.
1: So it's very much a personal choice. Yes. And does Drip provide all the functionality that Active Campaign does like you know the tagging and the auto tagging and all that sort of stuff?
0: Yeah, it's got it's got all of that. They haven't been around for as long. I think um, Active Campaign's been around for twelve years or so. Wow, okay, and it's probably a more sophisticated. If you really wanted to go ninja, it it, it can do probably out the box more things. Mm-hmm. But Drip is just amazing. It's got everything you need is there, and it's got all the crazy ninja stuff if you care about wanting to go deep. So okay, yeah, I just really enjoy it, especially the editor.
1: Drip is a Clay Collins thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Clay acquired the company a year or two ago. Okay. Um, so they've they've made amazing changes since since that acquisition. And the guy that actually um, did it up and the founder still still works there. Okay, so yeah. he just doesn't have to he just doesn't have to run the company. Yes. Now. So it's, it's it's great for him, I guess. That's
1: quite common actually with acquisitions, right? They they tend to keep the founders on for a little while after they sell the company. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the biggest challenges you've seen with either your students or your peers uh, in terms of creating a successful autoresponder sequence. And what's the best way to overcome that challenge? One is obviously get a good quality editor. (laughs) (laughs) What other things have you noticed and what's the best way to overcome it?
0: I think the hardest thing is just to start right mm-hmm. um many people just they they just mentally suck themselves out of writing an email because mm-hmm. they they think it's this thing it's that's, that's difficult and i'm dyslexic i can't spell and if there's one person on the planet that shouldn't be able to write decent emails it's me right <laughs> and even now after i've spell checked my my email a hundred times there's always errors inside of them so but still, that that shouldn't be a reason mm. <laughs> not to write an email. Okay. So I think that's probably probably the one thing is just to write emails. That they're not going to be perfect initially. And God knows my first creations must have been terrible. Mm.
1: I remember when I interviewed Sonia Simone, she said that as well. One of the biggest things is just start. She actually shared some excellent tips on content marketing and writing in episodes 107 and 108. I'll link to those in the show notes of this episode, which you can access at productiveinsights.com forward slash 140. It's a matter of just making a start and whether it is as basic as writing the first words on a book because you don't want to sit in front of your computer, just having that intention and taking some kind of action is a good way to move forward. But beyond that, I think it's also good to have a structure, right? Uh, It's a good idea to have some kind of a structure to create your emails. Would you agree?
0: Yes, I find it easier to write. So I will take... Groups of emails and I'll theme them. So, for example, if I'm talking about, I don't know, social media, for example, mm-hmm. as a theme, I'll then theme that, that out across two or three or four or five or six, however many emails that are required to address that theme. And then I'll move on to the next theme. And then uh, connecting those two themes together, you know, it's just a matter of segueing from the one to the next. Mm-hmm. So I find that when there's a theme to write about, then it's it's fairly easy to write about it as opposed to just staring at a blank page, wondering what should I write. Mm. And that's seeded by the reason why people joined the list in the first place. So if, you, if you're if you writing your first sequence that you're gonna load up, so when somebody opts in, that's the easiest part because you know what you should write because yeah. they've just opted in, right? Correct. they there's something that they want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I tend to use a story as a lead in and then just a segue into the call to action. So that's probably the most basic Mm -hmm. framework is um, a story, segue, call to action. Typically one call to action in an email, although I write many emails with, they have multiple links inside them. But as a rule of thumb, you typically only want one call to action. You know, you only ask people to do one thing. So Mm -hmm. the whole emails are revolved around one click. Even if there's multiple links, maybe two or three links, Mm -hmm. they're all go to the same place, That's right, right? But just the context and the, and the framing is slightly
1: different. And do you use a single opt-in or a double opt-in? And just for the listeners, when I say double opt-in, I mean when you put in your email address and then you have to click on a link that is sent to that email address to confirm that you want to be on the list. Which one do you use?
0: I used to use double, but the last few years have just been single. Okay, Mostly because we don't have too many opportunities for people to add themselves to our to our email list on the front end. Uh, most of our, our main sequences are a result of somebody purchasing a product. So okay. when they purchase the product, there's an API call that goes into the ESP and then adds them, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no need for for a double opt-in because someone's already made a purchase. Right, They've right. given us their name and their real email address. Yes. And then that just gets inject- injected into the system that then triggers a certain customer sequence that, that then goes out.
1: And do you always, always address your audience by first name or do you recommend not doing it or what if what do you do if you don't have first names like a lot of people don't capture first names because it reduces conversion rates you know on a web
0: page i prefer to use first names when i can so most of our customer sequences have a first name because we've got their name through a purchase Mm -hmm. right it's just so much nicer with an email addressed to 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 you personally, right? Mm-hmm. But the nice thing with Drip and um, you can do it with Active Campaign as well. Um, you can have some logic. Um, so I, I have a little short code that I just paste into the fir- first line of every email. And basically it says that if there's no first name shortcode or any first name for that person, then substitute it with, you know, hey, it's Andre. Okay. But if it's if there's a first name, it's then then it says, Hey Andre. Or if, hey, Mark, or hey, whatever. Oh, I see. Hey, their first name. So if, if their first name doesn't exist, then it'll just say, hey, it's Andre. Cool. So you can get around it like that. Typically on, if there's an opt-in on the front end somewhere, yes, some people stick in bogus names or no name or a made up name. And then it becomes a bit awkward if you're using a first name yes. and you personalize the <laughs> emails and it's, <laughs> it just makes the emails look weird. So yeah. for those emails, I typically don't use a first name. Okay. But I always like to try and get them. And then I can bribe, bribe people later on. I can say, you know, just click the unsubscribe link, which doesn't actually unsubscribe. them. it goes to a, to a holding page where they can where they can unsubscribe. But then they can also change and update their, their record so they can insert their real names.
1: OK, right, <laughs> right, gotcha, right. And it, but if they've clicked on the unsubscribe link with the intention to unsubscribe, then yes, why would they put in their first names?
0: So certain um, ESPs work differently. So like GetResponse and Aweber, when they click the link, it goes to a page where they can either unsubscribe or update their email and and names or whatever. Oh, I see.
1: Right, right, right. Um, So
0: that's what I do. Whereas others, when you click the unsubscribe, just that's it, unsubscribed. Game over. Okay. Many people click the link by mistake, or they think they can go to a page where they can update their email address. Oh, I see. And then they've just been un- unsubscribed. So I prefer to have that holding page that then gives them the opportunity to update their record or unsubscribe. Oh, I see.
1: Okay. And can you do that in active campaign?
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, cool. You can do that with with most of them. I think they. I think at the box it might do a proper unsubscribe, but you can. There's a little click box or a checkbox or do something where you can get it to send it to a page where then it asks them to confirm the unsubscribe or to update their name or email.
1: Okay, right. So it's making sense now. So they're not being presented with the option to just unsubscribe. They're being given the option to either unsubscribe or update their details. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Well, wow. We've talked about a whole bunch of things. Now we've pretty much come to the actions and summary section, which is my favorite bit. So what I might actually do is just do a quick run through of the various things we've talked about. And if something comes up for you, feel free to jump in and add something. And then I'll just talk about the action steps I think the audience should take. And then you can add some that you think I might have missed. So we started off talking about open rates and click-through rates and whether they're dropping or not. And we agreed that if you can stay relevant and you can think about your audience, which also was a recurring theme in the conversation, then you will continue to enjoy good open rates and click-through rates. But the key is being relevant. And one of the ways in which you can be relevant is by putting relevant content in front of the right person. And that can be achieved through tagging based on clicks, which you can do via active campaign. We also talked about how you move from Aweber to Active Campaign to Drip. You've moved for specific reasons for each one of them, but Active Campaign and Drip both do provide good functionality in terms of being able to segment your audience on the fly by allowing them to click links and essentially put up the hand for specific types of content. Another key thing that you said was have context for the click. I think that's almost a tweetable. You know, if you are asking your audience to click on something, give them some context and give them a reason why they should click. Don't have multiple calls to action within an email. And by that, I mean, you might have multiple links within an email, but they all ideally go to the same place. You're asking your audience only to do one thing. Then we talked about PSs. Yeah. And we said that the PS is a very interesting piece of real estate at the bottom of your email where you can have either a concurrent story going on or you can have a little bit there where you can put in some little tidbit of information and people kind of look forward to that. We talked about soap opera sequences and open loops, and that was a very, very key thing about email autoresponder sequences or nurture sequences or follow-up sequences. That is based around the idea of having a story, a themed story, which continues through a series of emails and is revealed as that series of emails goes through. And another really cool thing that I didn't know, which you told me about, is with Active Campaign and with Drip, I think, you can actually create an automation where you can allow people to binge if they really like a certain email and they want to know more. So you can say, if this person clicks on this link, then serve up the next email straight away. But if they don't click it, then go back to your original schedule, which was every second day or every third day or every day or whatever it was we also talked about first name versus no first name and we talked about double opt-in versus one step opt-in and you explained that you prefer to use one step opt-in because your subscribers typically enter your funnel or your email sequences after a purchase which means they're already quite highly engaged which by the way was quite intriguing to me because it sounds to me like you're not actually capturing emails just through content you're doing it on the back of a purchase is that right
0: Um, Yes. Lots of the times, yes. Uh, We we do have uh, front-end lists, obviously, because we build prospect lists and customer lists, but our most valuable ones are the customer lists, obviously. Of course, yeah.
1: And the last point I had here was change your unsubscribe page to a holding unsubscribe page because people do often click the unsubscribe link either by accident or because they think that when they click it, they can go and change the details. And if you just you know, directly unsubscribe them off the back of that link, it's over. They don't have any chance to go back and change the details. But if you have a holding page where they can go and change their preferences, uh, maybe they can even change how frequently they want to hear from you, then the unsubscribe link works better for both parties. Is there anything you'd like to add?
0: Yeah, that was was a great summary. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I like that.
1: Okay, so the action steps are be relevant to your audience. Think about your audience when you write your emails. Make a start. That is usually the biggest challenge that people face when it comes to writing consistently. And think in terms of stories and creating an engaging story and a narrative around which you write your emails for
0: your audience. I'd also say just write, you know, use email. Email is the most amazing communication tool. There's nothing on earth that ROIs as high as email, and that's not going to change in the future, uh, at least not for a while anyway. So it's easy We all have access to the internet and it's easy to find supporting evidence to to go contrary to that or, you know, for that or against that Mm -hmm. or social media is is the best thing since sliced bread or it's not. Just use email. It's the most amazing tool out there and just be relevant and you'll see it is amazing. It's it's almost like magic.
1: (laughs) And check out Autoresponder Madness. Now, I'll add a link to autoresponder madness in the show notes of this episode so you'll be able to go to it it'll be an affiliate link if you want to go directly to andre's website you can do that as well how do they find out about autoresponder madness directly from you andre uh,
0: just type in andre chaperon into google or autoresponder madness into google or tiny little businesses into google otherwise just go to tiny dot or dot or andre com. whichever one there's uh, there's many ways to find us
1: okay and how often do you email your list andre
0: Um, That's a a good question. What happens is when somebody adds themselves to one of our sequences, that sequence emails them all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Most of our sequences email them daily. So if they've just entered one of our prospect sequences and that sequence is a month long, they'll be getting an email every day for a month. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I'm emailing them daily. But in terms of me sending out a broadcast, um, I don't send them out very regularly. I send them out when I've got something to say. Sure.
1: So in terms of the user experience, would you recommend, you know, daily contact, provided of course you're being relevant. Daily contact is a good frequency?
0: I think initially, because you know, somebody's come into your sphere of influence and it's it's in your benefit to talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. And communicate with them. So were you still new to them? I think you knew those touch points need to be more regular. Okay. And so you can build and establish that that trust and that relationship over time. You know, later on, once they know who you are and they think you're awesome and the stuff you send out, they love, well, then you can email them once a month or, hmm. you know, or however. But early on, when you're still trying to establish that relationship with them and build that trust, then definitely, I think daily works works well. Okay.
1: Now, are there any books you recommend listeners Check out to develop their email marketing skills.
0: Yes, but it's this is not gonna this is gonna kind of left field. It's not going to be <laughs> what you expect. Okay, <laughs> that's good. The book that's helped me the most is a fiction book, mm-hmm. and the very first I only started reading fiction recently, fairly recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a book called Persuader by by the, by the authors. Lee Child. And it's about Jack Reacher. Um, Jack Reacher has become famous now because Tom Cruise has done two movies about Jack Reacher. But the books themselves are amazing. And Lee Child is, is my favorite writer. Okay. And his writing style has influenced my email writing more than anything else. Wow. Okay. So I read, I picked up that book when I, when I turned 35, I'm 44 now. So nine years ago, it was the very first time I started reading fiction and I've read fiction every, every single day since then. It's just just this most magical thing, but I can't believe it took me so long.
1: (laughs) So Persuader and it's by Lee Child. Okay.
0: Persuader, which is um, book, book number seven in a series. He's, he's now up to like 22 books. Wow. And you don't have to read them in order, um, but just pick up the Persuader, which was the first one. It was so impactful. Hmm. Okay. All of his books are good. But uh, yeah.
1: Now, how do listeners find out about you, Andre?
0: Just typing my name. Andre <laughs> <Chaperon. laughs> Yeah, Andre Chaperon. Without the E at the end.
1: Yep. Okay. So it's A N D R E C H A P E R O N.com. Yeah. And I'll add that to the show notes as well. So people can click on that to go straight to you. And the show notes will be available at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 140. Thank you very much for being on the show, Andre. Thanks for
0: having me. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?